I woke up in the middle of a beautiful haunting dream once. Visually, it was pretty hazy, some kind of landscape of a starry galactic nature. But sonically, it was crystal clear. I could hear beautiful music. Specifically, I could hear someone or something singing this slowly moving melody. Almost like a child's lullaby. There were words, but these quickly faded away as I grew lucid. But the melody still resonated in my head. I felt breathless. Was it possible? Had I just written a beautiful melody in my sleep? Had I just joined the mythic ranks of those who see visions in their dreams and feverishly transcribe them when they wake? I grabbed a piece of paper and started to sketch out the ethereal tune. Okay, back down to earth. There was nothing original about this melody. It was Mac the Knife, written by Kurt Vale in 1928 and covered by any number of great artists since then. My sleeping brain had just slowed it down and arranged it up into some kind of weird dreamy stratosphere. Total plagiarism. My worst nightmare. Because of my anti-muse, the fear of being derivative. Welcome to Strange Muses. My name is Janine White. And I'm Vincent Marconi. We're longtime collaborators on a variety of creative projects, most notably our musical group, Johnny Hollow. In the decades we've been working together, we've spent a lot of time just talking on the phone, long conversations about the weird things we encounter as we shape our ideas. This podcast is about some of the strange stories that have stuck with us, like peculiar friends throughout the years. Today, we're going to talk about something we call the Anti-Muse. I worry about being a copycat a lot. I mean, no composer wants to rip off something that already exists, but I obsess about it, even when I don't want to. I have a very analytical musical brain, so I pick apart everything I hear, almost unconsciously. You know those YouTube videos where a guitar player will repeat the standard pop chord pattern and sing dozens of songs over the same four chords? Well, I go a lot further than that and I can smell derivative from a mile away. Does this melody remind me of another? Are these overused harmonies? Are these lyrics cliched? Did I borrow this structural idea from someone else? It goes beyond rational self-critique, and it's possible I've thrown out some potentially good ideas because of that paranoia. I know there are only 12 notes in a scale and all. I know that influence does not equal theft and all that stuff, but 
the fear pops up often. And to be honest, it can really take some of the pleasure out of writing. At its worst, it renders me creatively paralyzed and I can't even get started. No idea seems original enough. And that, my friends, is an anti-muse. A nagging, annoying little thing that bugs you and bugs you and bugs you until its cumulative effect becomes a pretty big, scary enemy. Okay, so, uh, Vincent, I've told everyone a little bit about one of my worst anti-muses. What's yours? Mine. It's my tendency to be distracted. Oh, I can relate to that one. Mm -hmm. When I'm working on something, and I think a lot of us are familiar with this feeling, something comes along in my news feed, or YouTube recommends an interesting new video, all the while a dozen new emails come in. Yeah. Rabbit holes everywhere. Yeah, and like on on top of that, um, I'm bombarded by pictures and different ideas in my head. So I've got like new content coming in, and then my own internal world bombarding me with pictures and imagery one after another too many to focus on until i kind of feel like abandoning everything so it's like it's either if something external like uh something on on online is not distracting you then your own head is having trouble like fully focusing on the one thing that would be the most productive yeah it's almost like anti-flow it's like a state of being pinged by internal and external things constantly i do know this about you that you tend to get really excited about things (laughs) and they frequently you know rapidly move from one to the other yeah we've had phone conversations where we have to do a task at hand and then i'll slip in well just keep this in mind we could be doing this as well go from one idea to the next idea to the next (laughs) and you get quiet and I keep going until I realize, like, oh, uh, what were we? What were we supposed to be talking about? Right. This is me to a T. Yeah. All right. So we've just described two of our most pervasive anti-muses. Mine is an overblown fear of being a copycat. Vincent's is being prone to distraction and difficulty focusing. The common thread here is that these anti-muses are not physical things, but they're mental hang-ups that somehow gather their power in our own heads. We can't be alone in this. Everybody has at least one. And we wanted to hear from some other creative types. So we sent Vincent into the field to find out. And by out into the field, I mean he hopped on Zoom to chat with some of the wonderful friends and artists we've worked with over the years. Uh, my full name is Cole Sullivan. Um, general creative musician, artist. My name is Sarah Legault. I am a music video director, stop motion animator, builder, illustrator, hobby photographer. Yes, my name is Carl Moore. I grew sound editing and sound design and mixing and mastering, sometimes creative work uh, in terms of remixing or production. My name is Kitty Thompson. I am the cellist for Johnny Hollow. Um, I now live in Alberta where I play music with lots of different styles and musicians. 
Thomas Dzinski. I program computers and animate. So our topic is the anti-muse, and we describe it as something that prevents us from wanting to create or blocks our creative flow. Can you tell me, if that makes sense to you, what is your anti-muse? When, when one's reaching out into, you're in, trying to create something truly new, and um, it's, for me, it's a place of uh, escape, and it's, it's really a relief to be in a place where you can be free. So for me, the love killer, the anti-muse, the, the thing that, that really stops the train is if in any way that private bubble is interrupted. The pandemic I found was the biggest anti-muse I have experienced probably in my entire career. It was really hard to uh, to focus on being creative because I feel like I felt like there was so much pressure on artists at that time to be able to take the grief and the destruction and make art out of it to, And I just felt like with that type of pressure, it, it kind of felt like a hopeless time at that point. And usually when I'm in dark periods of my life, creating is very rewarding for me. But I feel like at that time, just like sitting outside and communicating with people and uh, trying to socialize with other people in a difficult time ended up becoming more important, being outside in my gardens, uh, that type of stuff. I, I found it was probably like a good six months that I wasn't able to create. Um, a really big one is just a toxic mindset, um, having you know energy projected from others onto me. Uh, like the, I use the term psychic vampires. So I would say, yeah, I would definitely just say like, you know, the more I think about what other people think, the more, you know, kind of interactions I'm having with others that are, that are draining. I, I find that that takes a toll on, on what I can do and, and ultimately what my output is. Yeah, I guess my, my anti-muse is laziness. I find that I, I can, if I dedicate a big block of time where I know I'll get the ball rolling, I still have to perform a ritual at the beginning of that block of time. And that includes like food, drink, getting a desk ready, you know, um, just get, getting everything in order um, before committing to that big block of time. So I think like, you know, I have a Murphy bed that I convert to a desk. It's very helpful. It's like the act of doing that um, is like the first step into that sort of headspace. But making the coffee, making the snacks, putting up the bed, this and that, all those things, every one of those things is like subject to laziness preventing them. So if I don't get through the entire ritual, it's like you're setting up protections for that time, right? Because if you just sit down lazily on a couch uh, and try to be creative, I mean, 30 minutes, maybe 60 minutes later, there could be some mundane reason why you get up off the couch, right? Mm -hmm. It could even just be like your posture is hurting. Like the, the literally your, your ergonomics are like making you uncomfortable. So you like stand up to like stretch your legs or whatever. Uh, but that could be enough to kind of kick you out of the uh, flow. 
And I don't know if I can describe my anti-muse without speaking about my muse first. Okay. Because the place that I've always felt the freest and the most open just to do whatever has been in a studio with Janine. And there okay. was just no judgment. It was just play whatever the heck came out. And that was, I think, the most open and inspiring way to make music. On the flip side of it, self-judgment and concern for the perceptions of my music to other people is my, my, my anti-muse, my, my own feelings of self-doubt. And I've often sort of joked that I'm sort of an A-minus musician in that, that space of protecting yourself from really trying. And so I'm, I'm often quite concerned to just be free and I think I, I project that onto the musicians I'm with, which is, is not necessarily true. But, I, but that's the piece that holds me back is don't just go for it, because what if it's not an A plus? What if it's only an A minus? And then is it good? Is it good enough? Um, and so I would say that is my, my biggest anti-muse. The idea of the muse goes far back in history. Especially well-known is their presence in ancient Greek mythology as the goddesses who inspired literature, art, music, and even science. But what about their nemesis? Presuming that the struggle for inspiration is not a modern phenomenon, was there anything in folklore that suggested this idea of an anti-muse? We figured there had to be. In Ireland, there is an old tale that refers to something called the fairy wind. It's known more for its sound than its appearance. Apparently it had the hum and drone that was reminiscent of a spectral beehive that had a low, menacing pitch. If you heard it, you knew it was coming. Its appearance, however, was invisible. Think of one of those mini tornadoes that you see sometimes in parking lots that carries candy wrappers and empty plastic bags into its swirling current. Well, apparently, in Ireland, farmers were extremely cautious not to cross one of these mini tornadoes. They would often appear in their flat fields. If you were knocked by one, you could become possessed. You could become sick. The purpose of the fairy wind was to move a large host by fairies, which could perhaps be a human or a changeling, from one place to the next, and you did not want to get in its way. There are stories of men and women becoming catatonic after being knocked by one, where only a brutal exorcism could possibly bring them back. There was one detail that I found very interesting. Sometimes the fairy wind would target artists and musicians, and if they were knocked by one, they would lose their talent. They would no longer paint, they would no longer play, they would no longer sing. That's amazing. I can't believe that you found something that is so apt. Like, such a perfect metaphor. It's this whirlwind it knocks you over and you become catatonic. I know what that feels like. Yeah, and then when I was going through it and I found the detail that it targets artists and musicians and yeah. they just lose their talent. They don't become possessed or sick. They just lose their abilities. That hit me like, wow, that's... I'm going to do so... that from now on because that is like, that feels... What more... are you going to do? 
I'm I'm going to have like days when I have my talent and days when I don't. Because oh, okay. that feels like it really makes sense. Like yeah. maybe it's true. Like, you know, sorry, I can't I can't today. I don't have my talent. Yeah. And then maybe, you know, that I'll takes wake the pressure up and... off a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Today's a no talent day. Today I got knocked by a fairy wind. Yeah. You know, I'll call you when I get it back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I won't go into it, but the there were exorcisms for the fairy wind and they were brutal like they brutalized people who were um who were knocked by one of these things to get them out of them but we so, won't go into so that it, because it was, was not a good time to to be a musician no, in you... ireland who <laughs> <laughs> was having a bad day yeah exactly <laughs> it's kind of fun to imagine an anti-muse as a creature Something external that swoops in and tries to sabotage creative efforts. Maybe it's even therapeutic, because even if it is of our own mental making, it's more manageable to think of it as an imposter whose negative influence is temporary and can be defeated or at least ridden out. We asked our panel to imagine up their own creature on the spot. If the anti-muse was a creature, what would it look like? I think it's a gorilla. Okay. Uh, I know that's kind of weird, but it's... So, you know, a gorilla is everything creativity isn't. It's, it's brash, it's loud. If there's one in the vicinity, you're probably going to be looking out for where the gorilla is. This thing that is just unpredictable and completely impulsive and just goes around and smashes everything. And, like, I mean, it could be a metaphor for smashing confidence, um, for smashing focus, um, that kind of stuff. Oh, I always think of the never ending story of the nothing, this black darkness that's just coming along and eating everything and, and disappearing everything around you. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe the archetype of like, um, you know, the, the hordes like attacked by a million ants or something like that. Gosh, I think if I'm to be wholly honest, my creature is myself with all of the grossest elements I can think about myself printed onto that person. What's terrifying about that is that it's not something other than me. It's not something that I can imprint on a, a third party and say, this, this other creature is my anti-muse. My anti-muse is all of the worst feelings and thoughts I have about myself. Um, including physical attributes, feelings, talent, lack of talent, knowledge, lack of knowledge. It's all those things and made into this little kitty monster. And what's difficult is about it is I can't say I could just kill that thing and it would go away because I'd have to kill my, myself in, in the process of it. All of those pieces are actually a part of me. Oh, wow. Okay. That's I don't know really if that made cool. any sense whatsoever. No, totally. totally. I actually really like the, uh, the term kitty monster <laughs> as well. <laughs> I think that when I go to therapy next week, we're actually going to flush out the monster. Well, let me <laughs> I know. Think it's very real. <laughs> I, will, um, I will put together a kitty monster sock puppet and send it to you so that Amazing. you can role play with it. Probably a emaciated, greasy, uh, old forgetful man. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, continue. What is this man 
wearing? Um, I want to say a bathrobe, like an open bathrobe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This, uh, this unkept, emaciated man is just wearing an open bathrobe with some tidy whities underneath. <laughs> no shame. No shame. No, no, um, no self-awareness. I picture my anti-muse as these little blood-sucking creatures that leech out my energy and motivation and leave me tired and uninspired. These figments of my mental anxiety kind of snicker while they suck away my self-confidence and plant seeds of doubt. Bloodsuckers seemed like an apt metaphor because they have a real-life counterpart in freshwater leeches. Did you know that leeches, for the most part, are perfectly harmless? They can't possibly take enough blood to harm you, they're painless, and they don't even carry disease. The fear is all in your head. Remember my anti-muse, the fear of being derivative? Well, on another torturous night, I was wrestling with something we had in the works. I don't even remember now what it was, but it was not going well. I was battling all of my usual hang-ups and just not getting anywhere at all. Finally, I gave up. But before I went to bed, I rushed off a little jingle-like melody that had been running around in my head about all these little creatures I imagined giggling while they sucked away at my creative life force. It was a silly little thing, but it let off some steam and I sent it to my bandmates as a joke, with a message like, there you go, I finished it, ha ha. In the morning, like a chorus, each one of them replied from their respective spaces, I love this, that's a real song, you dummy. We later fleshed it out, and lo and behold, it's now a fan favorite that I have a lot of affection for. It captured a moment of genuine distress and turned it into something charming. Moral of the story? Anti-muses are going to have their way with you sometimes, but if you ride it out, you'll beat them down in the end. And sometimes, you just need a little help from some good friends to expose that blood-sucking anti-muse for the harmless little creature it is, and kick it out the door. A thousand little elves Coming up from beneath my bed They gather round the campfire And start singing the songs in my head But with the wrong words By the light of the fire Their faces all begin to crumble Fall to their knees, they laugh at my expense. Bloodsuckers, I can crush you with my thumb. Bloodsuckers, I'm so sick of your tricks. How I wish the sun would come. I can make lyrics rhyme all the time. Don't soothe my spine. Just making a melody should be a 
is produced by me and Vincent Marconi. Sound design and audio production is by me, Janine White. Thanks to our guests, Thomas Tuzinski, Sarah Legault, Carl Moore, Cole Sullivan, and fellow founding member of Johnny Hollow, Kitty Thompson. All featured background music is by Johnny Hollow. To listen to the song Bloodsuckers or any other Johnny Hollow track, find us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen. You can also visit johnnyhollow.com to listen to our archives and browse our merchandise designed by Vincent, who also created our cover art. You can view and purchase artwork inspired by our music and lots of other strange things at mypetskeleton.com, the home of Vincent's alter ego. Special thanks for the generous support of the Region of Waterloo Arts Fund. Thanks as ever to our loyal fans. If you wish to support our work, you can join our Patreon community at patreon.com slash Johnny Hollow.